Howdy, Suenda, Cheryl Bear Slee, Natle Huasten, Dumden Yusli. My name is Cheryl Bear, and I'm from the beautiful village of Natle Huasten. And I am uh, so grateful to be here with you. And uh, we're here to talk today about um, racism in Canada. This is a big, um, big topic. And I'm really grateful to be called upon to discuss this with you today and, and to share some of my, my thoughts uh, about it. Um, the usual response to uh, the topic of racism in Canada is, is um, often, uh, what does that have to do with us? We're not racist. We're fine. Uh, and, and so I, I am grateful that you guys are tackling this and, and trying to dig a little bit deeper. Um, so yeah, so I mentioned where I'm from. My uh, Indigenous community is Natlehuaten. It's located in uh, central British Columbia. We used to be called the Carrier Nation. And uh, that's because the French fur traders said we were really good at carrying heavy loads for long distances. And I think that they were prophetic. I think our people definitely have carried heavy loads for a long time. Uh, I'd like to also acknowledge that the place that I'm at, the land that I'm on, is the traditional territory of the Musqueam, Tsleil-Waututh, and Squamish First Nations. And I'd like to thank them for letting us do our business here on their land. Uh, the land acknowledgement is an important first step in the journey of reconciliation. And uh, sometimes I call it like a baby's first step because uh, it, it, just, just to um, exemplify how long this journey is going to be and that it's going to take most of our lives to, to be on it. Uh, but it's an important step. And that is because <clears throat> it makes um, everything real. Um, I remember being in grade six in, um, that's when we did, we do, you do indigenous content in schools. And of course I'm 51 now. So back in the day, my teacher said, said, uh, oh, this term, we're going to study Indians in Canada. And, and I was one of uh, two native students in the class and I was excited. I thought, oh, hey, this is about us. We kind of looked at each other and we were like, that's cool. Uh, and, um, but then within seconds, the teacher said, studying Indians in Canada, and then, oh, we're going to study the, the Hurons in Eastern Canada. And I was kind of bewildered, like, I'd never heard of them. But he answered right away. He said, um, he said but we think they're probably extinct. And, uh, and you know, I've, I've since met a few, and actually, Wendaki is beautiful, uh, and, and troubling that those words were said. But I remember kind of feeling like, and looking back on that experience now, I kind of felt like I was just sort of rendered invisible. And, and that's, the, that's the art of former um, Canadian curriculum in Canada. And it was to take your eyes off the land that is right in front of you, to take your mind off of that and just make Indigenous people something somewhere far, far away and probably not existent anymore. And that way it's much, much easier to... Um, to objectify and to take. And so the story that's been written about Indigenous people in Canada is one that is, uh, is mostly derogatory. If you go back and look at news articles uh, over the years, centuries, uh, you'll, and, and the early writings of the, um, the explorers and so on, you'll find a lot of derogatory statements. And basically, we're, we're talked about as if we're dumb or scary. And so when you think about that, and you think, oh, these 
Native people are so simple. They're, you know, they, they're, they don't even use the land. And, you know, so we, we can just take it. Or if we're scary, you know, oh, they're just, they're, they're savages and they're warlike and, and evil and all of those things. Then it's much more easy to go, well, they don't deserve the land. So those are um, two of the ways that we've been written about, we're continue to be written about today. And some of those misconceptions, you know, we kind of think as people um, in the church, we kind of think, oh, but at least that's out there, that's politics, and that has nothing to do with inside the church. But um, I grew up, uh, being I've been a Christian since I was eight years old, and I've experienced a lot of racism in the church over the years. And uh, But it's disguised. It's disguised as spirituality or proper doctrine. And uh, so one of the questions that I got when I was a teenager, somebody came up to me and said, I said, hey, you're native. And I was like, yeah, I'm native. And I said, I'm from Notley. And, and I've always been very proud of being from Notley. I, I never denied where I was from, even though I knew that as soon as I said where I'm from, that the person's countenance would change, their brow would furrow, and they would get very pensive. And this happened in this situation as well. Uh, and this person said, oh, there's a lot of darkness in your community isn't there and I was like a teenager like how do I respond to that this is person is an adult and this person is supposed to know you know more about God than me so I guess I guess our land is more dark is my conclusion and uh, and then like today I wish I could go back in time and just answer that question you know is, oh there's a lot of darkness in your community right and I wish I could say yes at night. <sighs> and the, the next question that I got was, uh, I was wearing some native earrings, some beaded earrings. They were beautiful and somebody noticed, hey, those are native earrings. And I was like, yes, hey, you know, I'm a teenage girl, right? Of course I'm going to be happy somebody notices. Uh, but then the person said, uh, oh, don't those have evil spirits? And immediately, then again, and both of these comments, they put something onto me, that my land is dark and that my earrings are demonic. They put something on me as a native person that there must be something wrong with me, wrong with my people and wrong with my land in order for these comments to be coming at me. And oh darn, you know, I, you know what, what, do you, what do you have to do with that? What do you do with those comments? Um, well, it's, it's, it's a very subtle... Uh, form of racism that is that systemic racism that's riding through there and the goal of that is assimilation and this has been the goal since um, explorers first came to uh, to this land uh, there's something called the Christian doctrine of discovery and the doctrine of discovery is an, was an edict from the monarchs in Europe who said to the explorers when you go out and you find uh, land and if you do not find a recognized monarch, and those are the words specific, recognized monarch, then consider the land, uh, terra nullis or terra nullius, the land is empty. <clears throat> and, and therefore they could take the land if they wanted to. And so, um, uh, and that's a Christian doctrine. And that's the foundation of, uh, the Canada, of, uh, the, of Canada and the United States. Um, and unfortunately, there were shortly after that, because they found, of course, indigenous people here. And uh, so then you can read back in history, many of the accounts, they talk about um, these debates that they would have with 
different popes, different religious leaders, and, and of course, uh, the monarchy or leadership. They had debates as to whether or not indigenous people had a soul. Now, uh, this so bothers me, uh, because as an indigenous person and having indigenous ancestry, um, this, this hurts me to hear this kind of talk. Uh, and, and when I first started reading some of this history and learning about this history, um, I was quite shocked. Uh, one of the reasons why they were having these debates is because if we had a soul, then they were obligated to send missionaries. But if we didn't have a soul, they could just exterminate us. And so that's the, that's the devastating part about, about all of this. And this is kind of the thing you don't read about in the history books. So they had a pope who decided, yes, they have a soul, and so therefore we have to send missionaries. So um, then, became, then came the next phase of the goal of assimilation and extermination, eventually extermination. That's always been the goal for Indigenous people in Canada, uh, that the government has wanted to deal with the Indian problem. There are piles and piles of evidence of papers written between government officials back and forth who talked about this, who, who were trying to figure out ways to deal with uh, and to get rid of Native people. Uh, and, and so this is, is not, a, not, a new pro- not a new problem. Racism isn't new. It's just something that's, that's kind of been with us all along. Um, and it, it is, it's not easy to talk about because I talked, you know, about my earlier experiences in church. And we kind of think, well, that maybe, maybe that's all gone now. Maybe the, that's not an issue anymore because who would ask those questions in churches today? They're still being asked in churches today. And these are, <clears throat> um, I remember uh, one pastor, yeah, a pastor friend of mine who's native, and he was speaking in a church in Canada. And after he spoke, somebody came up to him and said, wow, I didn't know Indians could be Christians. And another um, native pastor friend of mine who was speaking in a church, um, like guest speaking, both of these situations, in a church in the U.S., and somebody came up to that uh, person after and said, wow, I didn't know Indians could be intelligent. <sighs> and so these misconceptions, there's so many. There's, um, there's actually a book um, out of the United States, uh, on, I think the University of Arizona, and it's a native author who's talking about stereotypes about native people, and they just go one by one through the stereotypes and break them down into how they're how they're so not true. Um, uh, and we we have to talk about these things. My experience of just these sort of like uh, things that happen in church they they happen in society you know, in church, maybe we can sort of disguise them. We can sort of disguise them as, you know, like I said, spirituality. But uh, in the real world, when you're faced with um, uh, police issues, police matters, it it gets to be a, a little bit more dangerous. And we're all talking about this because of what happened with George Floyd in the United States and, uh, and what some are calling um, the riots, but what I would prefer to call the rebellion of the uprising, um, because I think every single one of us, and it sounds like your church, in all of the efforts, in all the effort that you're putting into learning about 
uh, racism in our in our own land here. Uh, we're sick of it. I think you guys are with me. We're just so done with this police violence and and um, and I think we're asking better questions. You know, there's there's I I don't hear too often people saying, um, you know, well, just well, actually, you hear this maybe. Maybe I'm not listening anymore. I have to block out some of these voices that are saying, if only, you know, they, you know, people of color or black or indigenous people of color would just stop resisting arrest or would just, you know, stop committing crimes, then everything would be great. But if you look at the evidence, if we look at the evidence, then we'll find the overwhelming, um, overwhelmingly it lines up on, uh, in, in color lines and, and, and yeah. So, George Floyd, Ahmaud Arbery, Breonna Taylor. We know these names from the news, even though they're not even in our country. But we've been made aware of them because of uh, people taking to the streets and protesting police violence. But there's other names that I need you to hear as well. Because one of the news um, agencies reported that there were eight Indigenous people murdered by police since April 8th. And that's uh, Chantal Moore. She's New Chanu. She was one of the, uh, she was um, uh, shot five times in New Brunswick. Uh, Rodney uh, Levy, who's Mi'kmaq. Uh, Aisha Hudson, Jason Collins, Kevin Andrews, all from the Winnipeg area. Uh, Abraham Natanin, who's from way up north. Uh, Regis Paquette in Toronto. And Everett Pat Patrick, who is uh, BC, I believe he's from Babin. Uh, and there are there are some news articles as well in um, oh well I should talk a little bit more about these these names these are these are loved ones these are our daughters and sons brothers sisters dads moms uh, grandchildren and um, and and it hurts to know that um, that these things are happening it hurts us to know that. Um, uh, and again, for the situation in the United States, where you have this this um, huge uprising for George, uh, Mr. George Floyd, um, and I'm I that like I said, we all looked at that and we were all like, "That's it, we're all done." And then we start to look within our ourselves, within our own um, where we live, and then we realize, "Oh my goodness, this is happening here as well." And I've often said um, that there are two realities in Canada. There's one where um, for Indigenous people and how Indigenous people are treated, and then there's another one for Euro-Canadian background people. And um, and if you're a lot of these news stories that we share, you know, um, they're 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 a part of us. They're, I have heard these stories since I was a teenager. You know, there was a, a young man I went to school with from a nation not or a village not far from mine who was shot by police. And I remember being a 16 year old and thinking, oh my goodness, like how could that have happened? Like, uh, and, and just, uh, I was just shocked and stunned this, this kid that I knew from, from uh, school, from Prince George College, where a lot of the native kids were bust in and lived. Um, uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was shocking. So this is, this is not um, abnormal for indigenous people to hear these things. To hear that uh, a friend or a relative has been um, 
murdered or died in police custody. This is not abnormal, but it is in non-Indigenous communities. It seems to be more prevalent uh, that it's, you know, it's it's unheard of. Some of you guys would have never known uh, anybody who's who's assaulted or um, lost their lives to a police to police violence um, because there are two realities in Canada, and some of those things going back to our our roots with the doctrine doctrine of discovery, the Christian doctrine of discovery, where uh, the systemic racism is, and I guess sometimes we don't we don't recognize it because it's such a prevalent part of our lives. It's just it's just a, it's a normal part. <clears throat> and uh, and so when you start hearing stories from Indigenous people about the atrocities that happen, just like when you have heard when you heard about the residential school, uh, when you heard about that in 2008, when the apology was given, uh, I'm sure you had the same reaction as everyone in Canada, and you were like, "How could this have happened? This is so wrong. How come we never knew about it?" And that is because someone was controlling the story. Someone was hiding the story. And it was the residential school survivors. Sorry, I lost my mic. It was the residential school survivors themselves who, who had to win a class action suit in order to get um, justice for our people. And so the same way you're learning about this now. And the tough part is uh, that we want to just look away. We want to just say, you know, when we see these videos, we want to just say, oh, this is too traumatic. I can't watch anymore. But I ask you, I beg you, don't look away because we can't. We have to face these situations so often. Uh, and we have uh, a national inquiry into the murdered and missing Indigenous women. And I can tell you that um, there, if, if you ask a Native person, um, do you know a uh, missing or murdered Indigenous women, woman? They would probably say no. I don't only know just one. And that's definitely my case. I have to stop counting after one hand and I, because I start to lose my mind a little bit with, with the pain and trauma of that. And so what does the, the Bible have to say about, uh, about race? Well, uh, when we see one of my favorite stories is is John four where and we're talking about um, women and how vulnerable women can be. And the most vulnerable women in Canada are Indigenous women, uh, and so whenever I see Jesus interacting with the woman, I'm I'm grateful because he seems to elevate their status, and uh, in 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 my reading. Because he comes to the, well, in, in his day, of course, in ancient times, it's not like today. We can't read the Bible through the lens of our own culture. Uh, because back in those days, women were, um, didn't have any rights. Women were considered the same as property. And, and so um, women were never taught in public. And um, so th it was just this very different way of being for women. And, oh, you know, they were supposed to be in the house and taking care of stuff, taking, having kids, creating heirs, and just taking care of the household business, but um, very much um, patriarchal society. And, uh, and so when Jesus in John 4 walks up to the uh, Samaritan woman and says, can you give me a drink? Uh, um he, he breaks down a gender barrier and he breaks down a race barrier. 
because she herself says immediately after his question, she says, why are you talking to me? A Samaritan woman, those two things. Um, and uh, I didn't know this when I was, when I was starting to go to Bible school, you know, I never thought about how that racism could be in the Bible or that racism could be a thing. Um, you know, that the Bible would sort of, you know, have to deal with, um, but there it is. And, and so the history of the Jews and the Samaritans is not a good one. There was a lot of, uh, racial, uh, disparity, uh, at the very least. And if, um, if a Jew was walking on the street and a Samaritan was coming, uh, towards them, they would, uh, cross the street to avoid them, uh, because they just didn't, uh, like their beliefs and so on, felt like they were really unclean. So Jesus breaking down this this race barrier is kind of showing us some things that we can do. But the first thing that Jesus does, and I try to tell people who are who are interested in um, working with indigenous people, I always say, um, you know, we, we don't want you to always sort of come at us with, how can I help? You know, how can I help you? Because it insinuates that, like, we are sort of the poor, needy ones, and, you know, please help us, and the patronizing, you know, whatever. Um, we don't want that. And Jesus didn't do that either. He said, can you give me a glass of water, or a cup of water? I guess they didn't have glass then, but I should know that from the Holy Grail. Um, I mean, that Indiana Jones show. <clears throat> anyway, um, uh, so Jesus asks for, for help. Jesus is the one who is putting himself in the place of need and walking alongside a person. And then that's, that question opens up this whole conversation of the things of spirit, the things of God. And that woman goes on to become the first evangelist noted in the New Testament. Um, and, and that story is encouraging to me that Jesus would go um, and, and walk in such a humble way and one of the things also that uh, we find the Creator doing is is not being afraid to be humble, not being afraid to become a learner, not being afraid to become a dependent. Uh, and, you know, those things, those words might sound shocking, but how did the, the Creator of the universe, how did the God, this ancient being, the one with no beginning and no end, how did this one um, make... Uh, uh, become known to to humankind well um, through the birth the birth of Jesus and uh, coming to this world as a newborn baby the the picture the ultimate picture of dependence the ultimate picture of uh, of a learner and um, and I think that 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 ability the ability to do that to empty oneself and to begin again, to begin anew with humility to learn things. Um, that might be what it might take for um, Canada to understand Indigenous issues and racism in Canada and to begin to uproot some of these, these, old, old, uh, this, these old, old systems that we find here uh, in order that we can make things equal. And, and that's um, a key word you know, when we talk about equal rights, um, you know, we're, we're, we're not talking about more. We're not talking about, you know, oh, we want it all. Like, we're just talking about um, 
all indigenous people want is is uh, those promises to be kept, those the ancient treaties to be kept. And um, there's there's Canadians, there's new Canadians coming here, um, new immigrants coming to Canada all the time. And the government uh, has this ceremony and has this um, teaching that they give. But I'm not sure that they say to new immigrants, I'm not sure that part of the test that they do says, did you know that you are entering into a treaty relationship with Indigenous peoples? Uh, I'm, I'm not sure that that's on there. And so it's an afterthought. And, and again, it's who is writing this story? Who is telling this story? So I'd like to encourage you to to read some uh, Indigenous authors. Uh, there's, there's lots of really good um, uh, Christian books written by Christian authors. Uh, my late friend, uh, the, my dear friend, the late Dr. Richard Twist, wrote, wrote a couple of really good books. You can Google him. Uh, the book I already mentioned, Unsettling Truths, um, wonderful book, and, um, and lots of others. When you Google search those, other ones will come up. Uh, so I encourage you, again, to listen to Indigenous people. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to learn all of these new things. And it's, it's a journey. But it's one of unraveling some of the untruths and, and beginning anew to walk alongside. And Indigenous people, like I said, with, I think that Canada needs um, the help of Indigenous people. We have so much beauty. We have so many beautiful things to share, so much beautiful wisdom to share with the rest of Canada. And um, it's about time that started happening. So thank you for inviting me to speak. Um, this, is, uh, this is a big step, I believe, in, in your journey uh, towards reconciliation. And uh, so thank you again, and I look forward to talking to you again, I hope. All the best.